Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the show. Today's guest is master illusionist Michael Grandinetti, and he talks being able to live out his childhood dream and much, much more. Coming live from the Fly Studio in Commerce Township, it's the Fulfilling Life's Yearnings Podcast! And I'm your host, Blake Giovanni Thomas Soule. And if you're ready to be your best by writing the script of your life to whatever you want it to be, and taking action on your dreams, then this is the podcast for you. It's time to enter the fly zone. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's the fly host you love the most, and welcome back to Fulfilling Life's Yearnings with Blake Soule. I have another special guest for you today on the fly show and he goes by the name of Michael Grandinetti and Michael is a world-class magician who is going to share his time with us today and just give us a chance to get to know him a little bit better and and how he's fulfilling life's yearnings through his passion of magic. Michael welcome to the show. Blake thank you so much I'm really happy to be here. That's awesome so just for starters you know I think everyone loves, you know, seeing magic and and uh, just being mystified and amazed by what someone in your line of profession does. But we really don't ever get to see, you know, the other side and that background of who the magician actually is. So for starters, can you talk about, you know, who you are and, and your background? Yeah, absolutely. Well, as you said, I'm a magician and I, I really, you know what? I count myself as a very lucky guy. Mm-hmm. I get to do, I get to wake up every morning and do what I love to do. And I get to do what I've wanted to do with my life since I was five years old. I found magic when I was five. Uh, like a lot of kids, I got a magic set for the holidays and you know, for Christmas. And that was it. I was hooked. And so to be able to live out my childhood dream and perform magic, you know, we take our show all over, basically all over the world. Um, I love it. You know, I, yeah, I just, uh, I love what I do. I'm passionate about it. And, uh, and, and, uh, yeah, so I'm a magician who just loves his job. That's the best way I could sum myself up. Definitely. I love hearing that. And what I would do want to ask you about that. So you started at five and I, I think that's like a great age to really start beginning something at least, you know, be lucky enough to be able to find what you truly enjoy to spend, you know, most of your life doing. But can you talk about, from the age of five, you know, what what or who influenced you to be able to, you know, keep pursuing that and, and you, know, you know, not stray the path or get lost doing other things? Well, that's a good question. You know, I think that when I got that magic set, obviously, I'm certain that my parents could just see that I was in love with it. You know, mm-hmm. it was just, I think everything else I got that, that, Christmas was kind of pushed under the tree and I just had this magic set like at the, at the, at the forefront. Right. And so, you know, I came from a very supportive, very encouraging family. And when they saw how much I loved that, they, you know, they always, uh, they were my test audience. They were my biggest supporters. Um, you know, we found a magic store in downtown Pittsburgh. I'm originally from Pittsburgh. Okay. And so every couple of weeks, my dad would take me down there and, uh, you know, we would spend hours, you know, he would have to, you know, he would say, come on, I think, you know, it's time to go. And I would say, no, stay longer. He'd have to go out and put more money in the parking meter. We'd stay longer. <laughs> you know, he never, never, uh, just always encouraged me. And also, you know, I came from a very supportive community. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, I started to do shows professionally at around 12. And when you're 12 years old, basically, you're, you know, you're still a kid. And, right. and I look back on it now and I think, wow, you know, these, these like, like adult, parties like company parties would hire company companies would hire me for their holiday parties and for their business meetings and you know i did a lot of shows around town Mm -hmm. at the time you think okay i'm a magician i'm doing this looking back on it you go wow they get they were giving a kid a a chance right so and they and they did that consistently they just supported me and what i what i was doing so i think between my family and the community uh they always made me they never made me feel like a kid doing magic they made me feel like like a professional magician. It was always in my head that this is what I was because of how they, you know, treated me. And, you know, that just made me, it never put it out in my mind that I could just, I could do what I wanted to do. So that encouragement, that support made a huge difference. Wow. Just, just hearing that to me is incredible because as, 
as we go through different things in life and and uh I can only speak for myself where you know some things were there but not really encouraged and then I guess at points you might lose interest in it but hearing you talk it seems like this has been the thing that you wanted to do most so that's really good to hear that because um I think that will stand as a interesting point of our conversation but the what I want to talk on next is here you are five started doing your you know being a professional at 12 what what is it through magic that you know you've been able to go on to do because I think it's an interesting uh part of this story is to just figure out you know where has magic taken you and what has that done for your life personally as far as that fulfillment well you know magic really shaped my life Mm -hmm. my life would have been completely different if I hadn't found magic that doesn't mean in a bad way it just means that because I found magic so young you know I could barely remember a time where I didn't have that goal in my mind of being a magician and where I didn't have that passion for magic with me. So what it did was it gave me a purpose. It gave me a goal. It gave me something to work towards. Mm -hmm. It also, you know, I was a shy kid. So it gave me a way to um, learn to speak to people, learn to present myself to people, learn to be comfortable with people. You know, for somebody who's shy, uh, you know, having that way, you know, magic gave me something to do. I knew if I was a little scared talking, I could demonstrate this, this, you know, piece of magic and it would kind of assist me. It would, I would always have that behind me. So when mm-hmm. I was a kid, you know, it helped me break out of that shell, certainly. And then as I got older, I think having goals, I, I was very goal driven. And I think having that element in your life when you're growing up is important. It, it, it gives you something to push for. It gives you motivation. It mm-hmm. makes you want to go out and, you know, I, and you have to understand, I, I grew up, I'm not that old, but I grew up in a time where there was no internet, there was no YouTube, there was no, you know, I had to go to the library. Right. I had to find people, you, know, people, you know, I had to do it the hard way, but it made me, I think that's a good thing. You know, it made me very proactive. It made me learn how to dig deep into, you know, it, it makes you go, okay, if you want to do this, all the answers are out there. You just have to find them. Mm. So, I had to, you know, you get your survivors, your, your survival skills kind of in gear, for lack of a better term, and you mm-hmm. go out there and you figure out how to do it. So it taught me how to, you know, be proactive in following my goal. And to this day, uh, I, I think I still carry that with me as well. So, so both those things. I mean, the the, the overcoming shyness as, as a as a as a child, and then becoming goal driven and purpose driven. I say would be the two personal benefits two of the i would say the most prevalent personal benefits you know the magic gave me over the years that's awesome so what was at that time if you can recall you know the goal for you was it just to be you know the the best magician or was it or were you taking it more in steps of like this week i want to master this particular trick and then be able to add on to it well, it was both. You know, it was. I always wanted. My vision was always to to do a big stage show. Okay. I wanted to do the kind of show where you know you're doing the larger illusions. You're making people float in the air. You're you're making large objects disappear, <clears throat> and that's you know that's what our show is these days. But you know when you're when you're ten and twelve, it's certainly just a dream in your mind. But that that was the goal. Now what I did was to to get from that kind of point A to point. It's not even point B. It's way past point B. But mm-hmm. get from the start to, to where we are now. <clears throat> I, w- I set a series of goals. And, and the underlying kind of message in my head was I always wanted to go beyond what somebody my age was doing. For example, you know, when I was 12 or 13, I didn't want to look like a 12 or 13-year-old magician. Now, physically, yes, I did. Right. But, but you know, in the content of the show, I tried to put the best magic in it. I tried to make it theatrical. Uh, as I got a little bit older, you know, a little bit more into my teens, about 14, we started to add music in the show where the magic was performed to, to music. Okay. Um, and then we started to do a, put a little bit more staging in it. When I was 16, I started to do some of the larger illusions. You know, I made a, a, a girl disappear from the football field for one of our high school halftime shows and reappear in the audience. Hmm. Um, it was always about how do I go beyond what somebody my age 
was doing. Mm -hmm. So it let me set like these little steps for myself and keep growing and keep growing and keep growing. And every couple of years we would do, <clears throat> excuse me, every couple of years <clears throat> I've been traveling so much. My voice is hoarse. You have to forgive me. No um, those, there's airplanes will do you in sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, every couple of years we would do a big show in town and I would use that as kind of a benchmark to always make that show that big public show better than the last one we mm -hmm. did so it was it was a series of steps along the way um and pushing myself to constantly grow along the way towards that that kind of end game of having the big show and that was that was that was my you know that was with me throughout all those you know, years that i was growing up that's awesome i do want to ask what was your first trick that you learned wow so the magic set I got was a Fisher Price. It was called Fisher Price Magic Show, okay, and actually yep. they're on, they're on eBay. So I got to get one of these. I, I don't have the one that I have, but I got to find one one of these days. Um, but it was simple stuff. It was it was you know making a small like uh, scarf handkerchief disappear, or it was mm -hmm. it was making an object. I remember it had these three boxes on this little kind of platform, and you would make you would put an object in one box, and it would disappear from there and end up you know in one of the other boxes. It was it was basic. It was basic stuff. Um, but it was fun. And, you know, oh, yeah. when you're, a kid, oh yeah, you know, when you're a kid learning that your imagination just runs wild. I mean, it just, it just, uh, it's, I, I think you could learn magic at any age. Mm -hmm. I think when you're a kid learning magic, there is something, there's, there's a special connection that you make with it because you're still at the age where you believe, you basically believe in the impossible. You believe it, you know, that, that, you know, I think as adults, people become cynical and they lose that sense of, amazement and wonder that they had as kids which I, I think people should still you know maintain right but anyways i think learning magic as a kid um as a child w was you know you really connect with it in a special way when you do it at that point in life that's awesome so you mentioned something there about and maybe you have a little bit of insight on it as as we get older uh we tend to become more cynical uh why do you think that might be well, I think people, you know, you just get used to the ups and downs of life. Mm -hmm. You know, life is, is challenging. Life, you know, life, for, I don't care what business you're in or who you are, or, you know, even the most successful people in the world, they have stress, they have challenges, they have, you know, it's just part of life. Right. So I think the more you go through that, I think, you know, those are things you don't think about as, as when you're young. Okay, for sure. You know, you don't think about you know, the risks in something or what, co what could go wrong in mm -hmm. something or, you know, uh, so as we get older, I think that that tends to kind of prevail in our thinking and you, you forget about just um, kind of feeling like, like a kid again. That's one of the things, you know, as a magician, I think that's one of the, the benefits of watching magic is it's one of the few things that takes us back to that point in life where we just let go and kind of have that simple sense of amazement. <clears throat> and yeah, I think it's a very positive feeling. I think that's a very refreshing feeling. It kind of recharges people's batteries. So I think as adults, it's something that we we certainly all need. Right, definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. And that's just making me think of, you know, that there's this movie that I would watch. Maybe you've seen it, uh, Now You See Me. And it was with like uh, Morgan Freeman and... And they were, you know, doing like these really cool magic tricks. And I mean, I'm just watching it from as a movie perspective. And even me, you know, I love seeing things that are like mind blowing. And it's like, wow, like how did they do that? And I think that's you hit it right there. Is that is that that's what the people love about magic? But you know, even speaking for yourself now as a magician, are you still? you know, someone who can go and watch other magic and still be like, wow, that's really cool. Or now you're at the point where it's like, I've seen it before and whatever. Well, it's tough. You know, mm -hmm. you, you can't shut off the magician switch. Mm -hmm. I think you, ha you, you tend to watch, I think I, you tend to watch magic from the perspective of a, of a magician. And I think that, you know, if you talk to film directors, they'll tell you they'll watch movies and they'll watch it like a film director. They'll look at the cuts. They'll look at the, the way the music's incorporated. They'll look at the lighting. You know, when I watch magic, I tend to, it's tough. I, I think like a magician, I wish I could shut that off and right. feel amazement. But the, the plus side there is that I can watch magic and I can appreciate what's gone into it. I'll know probably more than the average person, the amount of work that went into it. And, 
you know, how much rehearsal it had to take and the creativity behind the idea. So I will appreciate it from a completely different vantage point. Um, but I don't get that sense of amazement, or at least it's pretty rare. And, and when I do get to experience amazement, I, I love it. I okay. absolutely love it. Unfortunately, it's very short because mm-hmm. if somebody surprised, and I think again, any magician will tell you this, if you get surprised and amazed, it lasts for about three seconds <laughs> and then your mind starts to figure it out again. So, you know, that, that's the, that's the only negative to being a magician is that you don't get that, you don't get that, that wow feeling as often as, is you know, maybe, you know, the general public does. Right. Like, it's like the, the gift and the curse. But, exactly. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, you know, the, the, the type of preparation that goes in, because I think for anything that we do, preparation is, is a mainstay and, and, and being able to keep up with that, with that sort of work ethic and preparation day in and day out. Is there a particular performance that you can uh, talk about or think of and, and just discuss the, the sort of preparation and work that you would put in for uh, a performance that you would have coming up? Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It takes more work than people realize. I mean, because the goal of a magician is to make the, <laughs> excuse me, is to make the magic look easy. Right. It's to make it look effortless. Uh, you know, you don't want to see a magician who looks like they're really trying up there because that ruins the illusion of mm-hmm. the magic. But behind that that effortlessness is sometimes years and years of work. I'll give you an example. There's illusion. There's an illusion in our show that I'm very proud of. It's a piece where I walk through a steel wall. We have a seven foot tall, four foot wide, one inch thick piece of steel. It is big. It is heavy, and it is it is you know it's it's steel. It's a real right. piece of steel, and we have the audience come up and they examine it. They run their hands over it. They they hit it just to prove it's solid and strong. Mm-hmm. And then uh, visibly, I go behind it and I melt my body directly through the center of that piece of steel. What? <laughs> and then it's solid again. You know, so that's a piece that took seven years wow. from the time I had the idea to the time we put it on the stage. I went through so many different possibilities as far as how big do I want the steel to be? How wide do I want it to be? Do I want it sideways? Do I want it standing up? Mm-hmm. Do I want you know, to walk through from side to side? Do I want to walk through from back to front? Uh, what music do I want? What lighting do I want? What do I want to say? What do I want the story to be behind the illusion? <clears throat> you know, I try and give you know, just about every piece of magic we do, just a little, little bit of a story to make it relatable so the audience can, can connect with it on an emotional level. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. So it's all those elements that really um, took a lot of time. I didn't want to I didn't want to rush it. I wanted to do it when it was right. Right. So when we finally put it in the show, it was wonderful. I mean, when you put all those years of work into it and then you see the audience respond, it was, uh, you know, I, I love it. I it just, to see the audience respond positively to something that we work very hard at, it, it's the most rewarding part of my job. I, I just love that. So, so that's, a, that's an example of something that, um, you know, took, I think, more work than, than anybody would ever realize when they saw it on stage. Yeah, definitely. Now, what do you call, what is that um, that performance called? Well, that piece is just called Walking Through Steel. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's it's pretty straightforward name for what it is. And, and um, you know, it, it's, um, but I'm real proud of it. And we, we've actually had magicians, other magicians come to our show and you remember how I was just saying you can't shut off the magician switch? Right. You just think, like, we have magicians come to the show who said, that's steel wall. I don't know how you do it. What? I don't want to know how you do it. <laughs> so to be able to amaze another magician, I think, you know, I, I love that as well. Just because, you know, you're giving them something that's pretty rare. Yeah. I, so, you know, that uh, I'm real proud of that. Man, that that is really fascinating. Yeah, because I, I was, wasn't even sure how much really goes in uh, behind the scenes of, of putting together a performance. But yeah, thanks thanks for shedding that light on, you know, that it's it's the slight edge. It's always building up towards, you know, something grand at the end. So that's awesome. I did want to talk about, you know, where you are now, because uh, like what what is your your uh, career look like as far as um where has it taken you and, and where do you like to travel and perform at? And what does that circuit look like for you? Well, it's, 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 uh, where do I begin? It's, it's busy. It's been a very mm-hmm. busy, uh, you know, period of time. We mm-hmm. do, I'm on the road probably 70% of the year, 70 to 75% of the year. Okay. 
uh, we perform everywhere from casinos to theaters to, um, you know, stadiums. We just did the Arizona Cardinals, you know, NFL halftime show for the ESPN uh, Monday Night Football game two weeks ago. Oh, nice. Uh, we perform with symphony orchestras. We just performed with the Huntsville Symphony Orchestra in Huntsville, Alabama, where all of our illusions were accompanied by the live music of the orchestra, wow. which was, I, I loved it. It was, it was, it was just, it felt so good performing up there. I love performing in general, but with that, with that music behind and those, mu- those musicians playing, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was just such a thrill. Uh, you know, we're currently on two TV series. One is called Masters of Illusion, and okay. that's on the CW. And we're in the second season of Masters of Illusion, and there there will be it's it will be you know it's going to be coming back in a, in the new year as well. And uh, hopefully that that is that that is the uh, you know we're we're waiting to hear on that. So uh, and that show Masters of Illusion has been seen so far in a hundred countries around the world. Wow, that's incredible. Which blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I think you know in my life I, I'll probably never step foot in a hundred different countries, but our walking through steel has been seen in a hundred countries. Wow. So, you know, I love that. We're also on a show called don't blink. It's on pop TV. It'll be coming back shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, they just kind of wrapped the first season of that and that'll be coming back. Um, so it's, it's a very, very busy time, you know, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I absolutely, absolutely you know, love it. I'm here in LA for the next two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, preparing for next year's television projects. And then we hit the road again in December for uh, the first three week before the first three weeks before the holidays. So it's uh, you know, it's a pretty nonstop nonstop schedule. Wow, that it's almost like you're uh, well, you are you know a superstar as far as traveling wise. But when you're when you're going around and you're doing these performances and you and you talked about how you know you love doing the shows and the excitement and and getting the people to be emotionally drawn into you know your acting performance how do you maintain you know that high level of energy day in and day out when you have maybe sometimes you're doing the same uh trick magic tricks you've done before how do you keep that that freshness to to your craft that's a great question well yes when you're doing the the, basically the same illusions from place to place one would think it may get repetitive but Mm -hmm. Number one, what I never lose in my mind is that I'm a very lucky guy to be doing mm-hmm. what I love to do. Mm-hmm. I don't take it for granted. So whenever I step out on stage, the first thought in my mind is, is, you know, I love this and I'm so fortunate to be here doing this. I never forget that. You know, it took a lot of work. It took, you know, 20 years of work right. to be doing what we're doing now. But I still, you know, that still doesn't mean it's a given. It, you know, that it, it was just, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm fortunate that, that the work paid off. So I, I always remember that. And that always gives me the motivation to always be excited about what I do and to always give a hundred percent. My other philosophy is that if people come to see our show, there are a million things people could do with their time. And if they've decided to see our show, they deserve the absolute best. They don't deserve to see somebody giving 75% or, or 70% of their, you know, themselves into the show. If they've spent the time and they've spent, you know, the, the cost to come and see, you know, for a night out, then I want to make sure that we give them all we have to give. And then for me, seeing them respond, seeing an audience respond to what we do, I don't care how many times you do it. It never, it never gets old. Right. It just, it, it's like, it just never gets old. It's a thrill each and every time. So I think all those things add up to that. I just love magic. I love performing magic. It never, yes, we repeat the same illusions from show to show. I mean, we're always adding new things, but there are pieces that we repeat. But still, I, I love, I love doing it. You know, so, so it, it, you know, there's nothing really in it for me that would ever make it feel, um, kind of tired. Mm -hmm. It's my my passion. Oh, that that definitely makes sense to me. I I did want to ask you, you know, because you were mentioning earlier how at one point you were shyer than than you were, so you were doing the magic. Um, is who you are, you know, off of stage different? than who you are on stage and do you still get nervous before you go up and perform in front of a huge you know audience or crowd the guy on stage is the same guy that you are talking to now Mm i i couldn't act if i wanted to (laughs) to be somebody else to be honest with you Mm -hmm. um don't want to i mean for me it's about the show is about making building a relationship with the audience and the best way to do that is just to it's like when you meet it's like 
you know, when you meet somebody one-on-one, you, you just kind of, you're yourself. Well, right. it's the same there. It's just, I'm happy to be meeting a thousand people, right. you know, in a theater, but I, I want them to feel like they know me. I want them to feel like that, you know, the, like I'm somebody that uh, they could have a conversation with. So like I said, I, I could, I don't have it in me to be anything other than, other than myself. So, so they, so I, I'm just, I'm just me up there. Uh, which, which, uh, for me is a lot of fun. You know, it's, I don't have to, I just get to go out there and be myself. That's awesome. Um, and as far as getting nervous, you know, I get, I get excited. Mm-hmm. I get, let me try. So when we did the halftime show uh, a couple weeks back, I remember standing there thinking, you know, there are 65,000 people out there. Mm. I should be nervous. <laughs> like I should be, I mean, you know, you kind of put it in perspective and go, you know, 95% of the people in, in the world would be pretty, I mean, it's a pretty daunting thing if you right. think about going out there and having to perform for those people. Um, I think the repetition of doing it uh, over the years has really been helpful. Okay. I think it, that's really allowed me to be comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the most nerve-wracking part for me is probably, and nerve-wracking, I use that term very loosely. It's not, that that's probably way too extreme. The only time, I feel little butterflies okay. probably right before we walk out. Okay. And then when we walk out, it is just, I can't tell you how comfortable and happy I feel out there. It's just uh, comfortable and happy are the two words, you know, uh, I could, I could describe, I'm probably more comfortable and more happy when performing. Um, probably that, that's some, uh, than any other point in my life. Wow. You know, it's just, it's just a strange, you know, I think a lot of performers may tell you that as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it is. I mean, I lead a very, I'm a, I'm a very happy guy off stage, you know, um, so, so, but I think there's just something that I love so much about it that it just, that it just feels great out there. But yeah, thankfully, no, I mean, no nervousness, just uh, always little butterflies right before, right before you walk out. Like when right. you know, all right, you're on in 10 seconds just because you want it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know? No, no, I get exactly what you're talking about. Cause then I, you know, I, I do, uh, speaking in school as well, or whenever I have a, a speech to give that, I think I feel that same thing and how I always describe it is like getting ready to go off that top hill of the roller coaster. And it's just, you know, you're going up to the top of it. And then as soon as you get up there and it's like, it's at the point of no return. And it's like, all right, we're about to go down off the top of that hill. And it's, it's you know, it's about to be exciting and it's going to be fun. And so most times for me, it's like I get up there and I'm in that state of zone and I, and, and I think it's, the same thing you were saying that it's you're so comfortable in what you're doing that I don't know if it's the same for you, but like my brain almost shuts off and I'm just there and I don't even remember like after the fact of, you know, really what went on is like someone else was speaking. But, you know, I was just so fully engaged that it was almost like that part of me didn't even remember it taking place. Yeah, I mean, it's just you are just something takes over and you're mm-hmm. just to your point, you're in the moment. I think that's very important. You have to be in the moment. You have to enjoy it while you're doing it. And it just, it's just, um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think that, um, you're right. It, it's something very special. that just takes over when you're doing it. And, but again, that comes from repetition. It comes right. from, from doing it, doing it over and over and becoming comfortable, you know, out there and comfortable performing. And, you know, it's certainly a unique thing. Performing for groups of people is, is, um, you know, it's, it's a unique thing. It's something that takes, I think takes, uh, quite a bit of work and time and, and, and to, to, to really, uh, you know, get down it, it, it it's up for me. It's always been a process over the years. It's always been, you know, I'm always trying to make our show better and make our presentation stronger and mm-hmm. trying to connect with the audience more. And even for everything that we've done over the years, my mind is always, okay, how do we, how do we do it bigger, better, you know, and connect with them even more. So that, that keeps it a fun challenge for me out there. Also, it's just, you're always trying to just make it as, as, as good as you can. So, oh, um, it's a, it, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Now, now I want to bring up, you know, cause I know you also do, you know, live, you know, live magic. Is that, is that the way you refer to it as, or like live scenes? Well, as far as what type of project were you thinking of? Um, like when you're doing, what am I trying to say? You'll have like the um the live action scenes that you'll do right on set with the with the audience actually right there and you're performing the, the, the magic live in front of them. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. We do for both for television and for our mm-hmm. touring shows. Absolutely, we always have always have a live audience there, and I think that's really essential. I think it's essential. Obviously, in in, in a stage show, the, the audience is essential. But when you do magic for television, mm-hmm. it's important. It's important because the viewers at home need to understand that what they're seeing through their screens, the same people there are seeing live. So every piece of magic we've done, there's always been a live audience there watching. And to be honest with you, several times to kind of really make it special for television, we've invited the audience up on stage to even surround us. Okay. So that the people at home uh, really know that that they're getting, you know, we're not using camera trickery or technology in any way to create what they're seeing right. on the screen. You know, so I, I think today especially that's, that's incredibly important. So can you touch on that as well, like the, you know, the unique challenges of like performing those, those large, you know, live magic scenes on TV or even in front of the audience? Yeah, when you when you do magic for television, it it it, it it's it's a unique proposition for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. Number one, you want it to be visual. My philosophy is always the magic that's performed on television needs to be something that people can get instantly. Attention mm-hmm. spans today are very short. People right. are used to be, to flipping through the channels. So let's say they're flipping through the channels. It need and they come across the magic show on TV, mm-hmm. it needs to be something that you're doing that no matter where they're flipping through, they're instantly going to catch it and go, wow, that looks really interesting. What is that? Right. So we try and put magic on television that has that sustained kind of effect to it, that, that it looks amazing, hopefully for a longer duration of time, number one. Number two, you want to keep it constantly moving. So when people are watching it, it is always holding their attention, keeping it visual, keeping the pacing right, are, I think, of the utmost importance of doing magic for television. The other thing that you want to do is you want to utilize television to your advantage. And by that I mean, today, everybody is aware of technology. Everybody is aware of what could be done in post-production. Everybody's aware of what could be done in, you know, you know, people shoot movies on their their phones practically today. So it's like, the technology has come to the point where you need to really show, prove to the audience watching at home Mm -hmm. that like I said earlier, what you see on television is what you would see there live. And the way to do that is you create magic that can be filmed from any direction. Wow. We do magic that where the camera moves around us 360 degrees, sometimes even underneath us. For example, if I'm making somebody float, the camera will move under us. The other thing that you do is you don't cut away. You make the magic so that, you know, from the beginning of the magic segment to the end of the magic segment, you're not chopping it up. Uh, or at least you're keeping any cuts to a bare minimum mm-hmm. so that there's no way for an audience to think, okay, he cut away and came back and just stopped the camera. Right. So there's a lot of, you know, the, all those elements you have to plan ahead of time before you go into perform for television so that when it's filmed, when it's edited, and certainly when it's broadcast, it is conveying the magic in the right way for today's audiences. So there's a whole different school of thought that you really have to put into it as compared to a live stage show, I think. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, television is its own unique thing. We're working on a couple television projects now, and I'm just going through that exact process I just described. It's right. figuring out the illusions we want to do and then figuring out exactly how we're going to film them so that people watching them uh, are pulled in by them, are engaged by them, instead of going, uh, I think they just cut the camera there, something looks funny. It's mm. making sure everything works so that the magic is as strong as possible on television. Wow! Now hearing that, you know that that's very fascinating to me because I, I I am very much a I love seeing like and hearing the the behind the scenes of of what goes into uh, the the final product because it's it's all cool to see the show and then like wow that was amazing but then I, I'm always thinking of like man I, I'm sure they had to put in a lot of time and effort and 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 and, and energy to get it like this and that's the part that always you know fascinates me about the 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 amount of energy someone puts into their craft and and talking about that when you are you know preparing whether it's for uh magic for tv or even when you're performing for a live audience or even in your off periods when you're um coming up with new ideas and just putting together that plan where uh, do you find your balance? You know, what what are you doing when you you know aren't doing magic or you know talking with other people about 
um, magic or your your uh, passion and what you do for fun? Um, magic really encompasses my life. Mm-hmm. So you know, in terms of balance, you know, I'm not married. I don't have a wife. I don't have children. You know, as a, you know, at this, you know, I, I don't have either of those at this point in time. Um, someday that is definitely you know a goal. Um, but I'm so in love with and wrapped up in my work right mm-hmm. now that you know that is my, you know, quite honestly. You know, I'll come home, I'll come back from a show, we'll come back from being on the road, and I'll instantly start working on more magic, more ideas, or more places to take the show, or a new idea for television, or, you know, that is, I am most happy and most fulfilled when I am that's awesome. doing that. Now, that's not me. Here's, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's not me encouraging other people not to have a work-life balance. Right, that, right. That's just what works for me right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that when people have families or, or even if you don't, I think other people, you know, may the, the, the dial may be the balance dial may be, you know, kind of adjusted differently for some people, which is great. I mean, I think everybody has to find what works for them. For me, I just, you know, I am most happy when I am working on um, on magic and what I love to do. So so, you know, I don't know if I would call that balance, but it certainly makes me happy. No, that definitely makes sense to me. I I feel the same way when, you know, I'm coming up with new material for the show or or getting the chance to speak with someone like you about you know what fulfills them. And to me, this is like, I don't know if you ever get that feeling. And I was talking with my you know my mom about this yesterday, and and it's and it's like when I talk about what I love doing or or if I'm involved in it, it's like I get these you know, these tears of joy, not like I'm sad or anything, but it just feels good to, as you were just talking about, you know, being in love with magic, it just feels like, like, this is what it, this, I don't know how they could describe it, but it's just like that moment, and you know that it's almost like euphoric. Do you feel that same way as far as, uh, you know, doing magic? Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. it just, it just, it's 100% fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just, I I love it completely. It it excites me. I feel the same excitement for it that I felt when I was five years old. Wow. So, you know how we were saying a little bit earlier, you know, you get, when people grow up, they lose that sense of amazement, they become cynical. I've never, I've, you know, I've never, thankfully, that's never, like, I still feel like that five year old kid who just got the magic set. I love, you know, I when we we're working on a couple of new illusions, and so when they when they're they're being built as we speak, I've designed mm-hmm. them, being built. When they come in and we start rehearsing them, I will be like, you know, it's a it's a slightly larger scale version of me getting that magic set for Christmas. Right. You know, I will attack them with the same excitement and passion and fascination that that I always have. So I I know Gene a hundred percent. You know what that means that you're doing, like that you're doing what you're meant to be doing. You know, um, one of the biggest compliments I received that I remember after one of the shows mm-hmm. that we did was somebody came up to me and they said, you know, we just we, they, they were very complimentary and they, were, they really you know, made me happy who they enjoy the show. And they said, clearly, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm. And that made me feel great because, you know, not that there was ever any plan B or anything else I wanted to be doing. But for somebody else to say that, um, it just kind of, I don't know, just even validated my passion even more. Not that it needed it, but just, mm-hmm. again, you know, for somebody to say that, I think everybody has their thing. Everybody has that passion in their life. So when you find it and you're doing it, you know it. And, uh, and I think you certainly, you know, just hearing you talk, it sounds like you found yours as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for saying that. I do appreciate that. And, that, and that's what I like about being able to connect with someone else who, you know, it is fulfilled in what they're doing. And I did want to ask, you know, as someone who's doing that, what, what is the, you know, we talked about, you know, finding what fulfills you and, and, and being able to do those things that make you happy. But in addition to that, what would be like your message, you know, that you would share with people um, about how to, I guess, start living in their truth and doing those things as opposed to um, spending a lot of their time not doing things that make them happy? I would tell them, if I can do it, you can do it. If mm-hmm. I could find my passion and if I could follow it, you could do it. You could certainly do it. I would tell people, never give up or never, 
you know, lessen your pursuit of finding your passion. Nothing is easy. Nothing. I mean, you know, like I said earlier, what I'm doing now took 20 years of work. Yeah. I mean, and, and it took, you know, there was a lot of, um, it, it was quite, you know, let's just say when I moved to California, I ran out of college. I mean, you start from zero and mm-hmm. you get a lot of rejections and you hear a lot of the word no and you hear a lot of, but you keep pushing ahead and you just, you know that what you want to do is what you want to do. <clears throat> and I think everybody needs to have that sense of conviction in following their passion. I just knew I was never going to get off the path. Wow. Somebody told me once, somebody, here's, a piece, here's a piece of advice that, that stuck with me. Somebody said, don't know what you can't do. <clears throat> and I had to think about that. Don't know what you can't do. And what that basically means is, you know, the limits we put on our, that are out there are really just limits we put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we erase those from our mind, then then really those limits aren't there at all. They're not really there. They're just things that I think are self-imposed. So, you know, it, I'll give you a quick example of that. And I didn't even realize I was living that saying at the time. Okay. But right out of college, I moved to Los Angeles. I literally, I just moved to LA because I knew I wanted to combine magic and television. Wow. I didn't, I didn't know anybody in LA. I didn't have anything, you know, uh, as far as anything really lined up. I just moved to Los Angeles Jeez. and I look, I even look back at it now and I go, Whoa, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, today, the me of today would have had everything planned and everything, but I just, and I'm not encouraging people not to plan. I'm just saying that I was just, I didn't know what I couldn't do. I just figured I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to go after it. And, you know, I tried to be very, I didn't make, you know, rash or foolish or risky decisions. Sure. I always tried it, but, you know, I certainly didn't, you know, put a limit on myself. The dialogue, for example, was never in my head where I said, well, you know, moving 3,000 away, 3,000 miles away from everybody I know. I don't really know anybody out there. It's competitive out there. If I just started putting all those things in my head, I just start building a case for myself not to go. Right. And, and I didn't, and I went and, and it just proves to you that had I built that case in my head, it would have been wrong. Mm-hmm. It would have been wrong. So I, I think that's one of the biggest things I could tell people is, you know, don't convince yourself not to do what you want to do. Do it. You can absolutely do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Very inspirational. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, what, what is it that you have, you know, coming up next that, that we as fans of magic, you know, can check out from you? Uh, we, a lot. It's going to be a busy year coming mm-hmm. up. I'm really excited. We're, we're going to be on the road quite a bit. So uh, I always tell people, you know, keep an eye on the entertainment listings. You know, if you see a magician with a big, long Italian name, <laughs> probably me. So, you know, please do come and see our show. We have two new tele- two television ser- series coming back next year. Um, that are both airing nationally. So, so I hope people can, can tune into that. We also have some other television projects in the works. I can't really give specifics on, but they are in the works. So, you know, hopefully there'll be a lot of ways for your listeners to, um, see our magic either live or on television. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a busy year ahead for sure. That's incredible. And I just wanted to ask another question about, you know, when you're, what what would you say, you know, was, I know you talked about the, the steel wall and that was a seven years, but what was the, the, the most difficult, I guess, if you can speak on that, just performance pulling off that just involved a lot of different moving parts and, and was it something that, another thing that you were really proud of? Well, there's a couple of them. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, geez, how much time you got? Uh, this, this answer could go in many directions. You just, you just got my mind kind of spinning. So I'll give you a couple of, of uh, answers on that. So, okay. so one of them was <clears throat> we performed for the Philadelphia Phillies um, season opener, their game opener. And what they wanted us to do is make the Fanatic their big – it's their mascot. It's a big green. It's 90 inches round, mm-hmm. seven and a half foot tall, 300-pound mascot. Oh, wow. And they wanted us to make the mascot magically appear in the center of the field. Okay. Now – when you're performing in these stadiums, people are watching you from 360 degrees, every angle, and they're also looking down at you, and you're mm-hmm. also under direct sunlight. So it's not like on a stage where you can control lighting, or you're just you're just out there. People. Right. So and I'm in Los Angeles. The fanatic is in Philadelphia. So it, you know I, he wasn't 
here for me to work with. I couldn't work with a mascot here. So oh. we designed, I designed the illusion long distance. Okay. A lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a lot of talking, a lot of planning. I had it built here in Los Angeles without ever seeing the fanatic. So we all went to Philadelphia for the show, not knowing if the illusion would work or not. Oh, wow. So we got there the day before the show, before 40,000 people were going to be in uh, Citizens Bank Park going, I hope this works. <laughs> um, and now I planned incredibly carefully. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I triple checked, quadruple checked all of my information on everything. But still, I mean, you just don't know until you actually go and do it. And thankfully, everything worked. It worked like perfectly. It just it just worked perfectly. But I, that was one of the rare instances where we had to plan with, with, with a major piece of the puzzle missing. Um, another piece we did was for the Washington, D.C. Uh, is the National Independence Day Parade. It's okay. the big 4th of July. <laughs> excuse me. Mm -hmm. The big 4th of July parade um, in Washington, D.C. every year. Um, I was really honored. We, I was the first magician ever invited to perform in the parade. Uh, as far as I know, the only, I don't think they've, I think it was the only time a magician was in the parade, but what I wanted to do is make a girl float above a float. So as we moved down constitution Avenue in Washington, DC, I levitated one of our dancers above this float. So you're seeing somebody float as we're going you know, down, down the parade path. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was great because it was, I mean, there were 250,000 people lining the streets of Washington and all with their American flags. And, um, that's another project that took quite a bit of work okay and when we went to do it it was just it's one of those visuals that you'll just i'll just never forget being there and doing it right <clears throat> it's the same as when we performed at the white house for easter that was um you know the preparation on that wasn't as difficult but when you get there the secret service has to go through all of your um belongings they have to you know, start going through your show and saying, okay, well, you can't do this. You can't do that. <laughs> oh, you know, no fire. You can't anything with fire or flammables. You can't do that. Um, there were, there were secret service on the rooftops. They were as, as, as it all should be, mm -hmm. as it all should be, you know? Um, but again, you go through that and it's just, it's an amazing experience. You know, it just, it just, you know, so as you, as you're asking me that question, all these pictures started to go through my mind. <laughs> um, I'll give you one more. There was a piece we did for NBC called the world's most dangerous magic is okay. a show we did. And the piece we did was that was a spike tower escape that I designed where I'm chained up on this platform, six feet above the ground. I'm chained at my arms. I'm chained at my waist. I'm chained at my legs. And on either side of me are these two big panels of steel spikes, foot long, razor sharp steel spikes. Mm -hmm. If I don't escape in 60 seconds, there's a timer. When the timer runs out, the spikes come at me. Whoa. At 50, yeah, yeah, they come at me pretty fast. They're 50, five, zero miles per hour. And then if that weren't dangerous enough, they lit the spikes on fire and they covered me with gasoline. So, <laughs> so that one was, was definitely um, a unique challenge where the danger was, was um, you know, again, I planned everything out. Oh, I yeah. knew exactly what I wanted to do. But still, I mean, there's definitely inherent danger when you're standing between these two panels of giant spikes. And mm -hmm. um, so that's something that took a lot of work and a lot of thinking, and a lot of preparation. Um, so there's a number. I mean, it's shaping the magic to fit the show and fit the environment, um, which is what we do a lot of. It's, we're always kind of customizing our magic to fit wherever we're going. That takes, you know, it makes each project different. So it makes each preparation different. So uh, I think that's kind of why there's many answers to that to that question. So I, I hope that that answered what you were what you were asking. No, that definitely does. And I'm, I'm just smiling and laughing because I'm like, geez, the one with the, the panel with the spikes, I'm probably <laughs> checking that one at least 30, 40, 50 times <laughs> to make sure. Yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, when, I, when I told my, when I told my family, um, that I was doing that, that, that took a lot of explaining. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. So talk about, being, you know, being at the White House. Now, were you able to meet um, the president and the first lady as well? Well, they were there. I didn't mm -hmm. get a chance to meet them as far as shaking hands, but mm -hmm. they, were, they were about 25 feet away. Okay. So it, it was it was surreal. It was it was pretty surreal wow. um, to, to see them. It was it was, you know, talk. There there are just some aspects of life that I mm -hmm. think we all have that we just won't ever forget. And that mm -hmm. was that that was one. That was one of them. It wow. was it was a wonderful experience. Um, 
you know, and, and Washington, D.C., for me, we performed there several times, but it just has such a historic feel. So when you're standing at the White House, you just, I mean, beyond the show, just kind of standing there, it, it's just a wow. You just feel, um, it's an amazing feeling. So uh, it's definitely one of, my, one of the top highlights to me of the things that, you know, that we've done. That's awesome. And I'm glad you brought that up. Can you talk about, you know, Put us, put us in your eyes for for a moment, if you will, and and you're getting ready to perform uh, on stage. What what are you looking at in the audience? How are you, you know, engaging them? You know, what what is your emotion and expression like that that you're able to, you know, get the 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 audience, you know, emotionally involved in, in what you're doing on stage. Well, I think it goes back to two things. I think number one, it goes back. It goes. It comes down to being yourself. Mm-hmm. So making making yourself a person that they feel like they know. Um, and, and you know what? Quite honestly, the way I present magic is the way I truly feel about magic. Which is, this is not about look what I can do. Okay. isn't this great? It has nothing to do with look what I can do and you can't do this. Right. Not that at all. It's all about my everything in my body in my mind is saying this is amazing let's all experience this together Mm -hmm. i am having as much fun doing this as i hope you are watching this Mm -hmm. you know and and that's sincerely what i feel when i'm performing so i think when you do that and you're yourself hopefully that allows you to you know connect with the audience you know it's like anything else when you meet somebody um and somebody's just sincere and themselves uh, you know, I think that it enables you to, to connect with them. Um, the other thing is, is that we try and, uh, give the magic small little pieces of a story. And I use the word story loosely. It just, I give it a little bit of meaning so that the audience can connect with it. Like I said earlier, I think on an emotional level, I'll give you a couple of examples. So mm-hmm. when I walk through the steel wall, you know, it's about uh, overcoming, you know, coming through barriers in life. Mm. You know, the, the whole point of magic is to prove to you that there are no barriers that can keep any of us from achieving what we want. And that's okay. basically what I say. So I say, and to prove to you, I'm going to try and prove that to you one more time. And then I walk through the wall. So it's just that little line of saying, you know what, there are no barriers that can keep any of us from achieving whatever we want to achieve. And that actually kind of fits into almost our conversation we're talking about here. Right. So but I use that steel wall to sort of illustrate coming through a barrier that seems impossible. So it, it's not just walking through a wall. It is emotionally a little bit more for the audience. You know, it has that little bit of a meaning to it. I do a piece in the show where um, I, I have a – I take something back through time. Mm-hmm. And the premise there is kind of what we talked about earlier as far as remembering what it felt like when you were a kid. Right. And feeling that sense of amazement, that sense of wonder. And I think that, you know, those little pieces of meaning that I give it have have helped as well. So I think both those elements together really form that 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 ability for the audience to become emotionally invested and engaged, you know, in the in the magic. Wow, and I'm really glad that you you know you said that that way because I, I I think that was always in my head you know when I was watching magicians perform, but now that you just you know articulated it, now it just makes so much more sense as to why like I like watching it so much because as you said it's 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 a I guess a metaphor for that you can make it through anything or and or do anything that you put your mind to, and that's just awesome that you're able to you know share. That 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 moment, that experience, and excitement with you know so many people on stage and and on TV as well. So thanks for saying it that way because that just sparked a whole bunch of things in my mind as far as you know what what's possible and if you can do it like you were saying, then I can do whatever I put my mind to as well. That's awesome. And and I did uh, go ahead. Oh no, no, please go ahead. Yeah, and I was gonna ask you know. Um, just, just as a final, you know, no, you know, I always ask the, the list, the, excuse me, not the listeners, the, the guests I have on, you know, what would be, you know, their definition of fulfilling life's yearnings, I guess, kind of encompassing, you know, most of the things that we talked about today, but if you had to come up with one, what would it be? 
find your passion and follow it mm-hmm. and do, and do that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, if everybody has that one passion in life, everybody does. I don't care who it is. Even if you don't think you do, I, I think you do. So find, I, I think you will feel so fulfilled, so satisfied when you're pursuing something you love, even, even if it's a hobby, even if it's not a profession, mm-hmm. even if, you know, in your off time, you're doing something, you're doing a passion of yours. I think having that element of your life is just, I think that's the secret to having a fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. Now, passion could be many different things. It could be a profession. It could be a craft. It could be, you know, uh, raising a family, it could, whatever it is, whatever it is, but may, have that passion in your life, whatever that driving force is. And, and that's the key to me to being, um, at least a major key to being fulfilled in life. That's awesome. And then my final question is, I know we talked about what you have coming up for, you know, the, the next year, but what is, you know, for you personally, the goal of what you're trying to accomplish, um, for the end of this year or even for the next year? Well, just to bring magic to as many people as possible. You know, we're going to be on the road through the third week of December. Mm-hmm. So the goal for this year is to is to amaze as many people as humanly possible while we're out there traveling. And then for next year, it's always about making the next year better than the last. So I'm still very goal-driven and I'm still very purpose-driven, just like I was growing up. It's, it's never left me. Um, so it's, it's about, you know, finding those new mountains to climb, which for me is fun. I wake up every morning excited to find and climb those new mountains. Right. So for next year, it's how do I make next year more exciting and more, uh, you know, create more growth for what we do than, than, than we did this year. So it, it, it's, there's no rest in sight for sure, but, but I love that. So there's a lot of magic coming up and a lot more to do. So I'm just, I'm an excited guy. I'm excited to hear you say that, and I just want to let you know, you know, you've gained a new fan from me, and I definitely will be following everything that you're doing and, and rooting you on and supporting you from uh, from afar, and even when I can come out, you know, and see you live, that would be amazing to do that, and I just want to say thank you, you know, for spending some time with us today on the show. I, I really, you know, loved hearing your story and, and just those those themes that were you know, very relevant for you and, and, and being able to live out your passion every day and, and be able to, you know, share that with many. So I just want to, you know, commend you for that and also, you know, say uh, a round of applause and salute to you for, for um, the, the work that you've been able to accomplish. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your kind words and I appreciate you having me on. It is, you know, it is uh, absolutely fantastic talking to you. And, you know, your listeners, right before, they didn't hear you say this, but right before we started the interview, you said, this is going to go fast. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at my clock and I can't <laughs> believe an hour, you know, I can't, you made an hour just disappear. I mean, it was, it, it was such a pleasure talking to you. Uh, you know, thank you. And, and you know what? Next time we, we are in uh, your neck of the woods in Michigan, I'm going to send you some tickets. I would love for you to come and see our show. Oh, that would be amazing. Thank you so much for that. And, and, Hopefully, you guys, you know, not get out the park through the rest of the rest of the year. And again, that's this was Blake Sule uh, speaking with magician Michael Grandinetti. And again, I want to applaud you and, and thanks for coming on the show. And what I tell my listeners is uh, for you guys is to make sure you check out, you know, the show notes for today's episode which is where you'll be able to find you know links to michael performing his magic and and what he's up to as well and you can always check that out on the website but that's it for us today um any feedback questions you know you can always reach out to me on the website uh fulfillinglifesjournings.com or on twitter at blake sule and then also on my website you can find my email where you can reach out to me as well. Now, Michael, is there anywhere that you wanted to uh, send the listeners to check out what you're doing? Yeah, I would love for them to, you know, feel free to visit my website, which is michaelgrandinetti.com mm-hmm. or connect with me on Facebook. I'm just under Michael Grandinetti or Twitter. I'm Grandinetti MG. Instagram, I'm Michael Grandinetti. I always love connecting with people. If people have, you know, if they have any questions about magic or, 
you know, pursuing their, their goals or, or what, whatever. Um, I love hearing from everybody. So by all means, please do feel free to connect. And, uh, uh, again, Blake, thank you so much. It has been absolutely wonderful talking with you and continued success with everything there. You are, you are doing a fantastic, fantastic job. And, and it's truly been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words and it was a lot of fun. And I you know just look forward to being able to speak with you again in the future. Same here. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. I want to know what your biggest takeaway is, so please head on over to fulfillinglifesyearnings.com today and click on the show notes link for today's episode, which is located on the homepage, and leave a comment. The show notes page is where you can find the resources mentioned during the show and will be very valuable for you on your own journey. To stay up to date about what's happening, please subscribe to my newsletter and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And while you're subscribing on iTunes, it would definitely mean a lot to me if you would leave a review to show future potential listeners of Fulfilling Life's Yearnings what you think as your voice helps them decide if Fulfilling Life's Yearnings is right for them. Now it's in your hands. Are you ready to fly? Until next episode, stay in the zone and make today a fly day by taking action on your dreams.